Okay. Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is not yet sponsored. If anyone would like to sponsor it, you can see me afterwards, uh, and we will add your name to the sponsorship. Today's class uh, is revolves around the curious concept of Hametz Bepesach. And let me explain what I mean when I say curious. You know, the Mishnah and Avot teaches us, Asu Sayag La Torah, which means make a fence for the Torah. What does that idea mean, to make a fence for the Torah? It means, as an example, if you have a mitzvah to do, let's say to light the Hanukkah candles. So the Torah tells you, when it comes time to start the lighting, don't have a seudah. Don't sit down to a big feast. You know why? You're going to sit down, you're going to have a drink, you're going to have two tequilas later, you're going to be half asleep, you're going to fall asleep and forget to light the Hanukkah candles. So you know what? The Chachamim say, from the time where you have an obligation to start the mitzvah, already from then, you can't eat. That's a fence. Make a fence for the Torah. That's what the Mishnah and Avot says. But what's interesting is that normally, the way that works is that there's a mitzvah from the Torah, a mitzvah from Teoraita, and the Chachamim came along, and the Chachamim said on that concept, you know what, we want you to go one step further and build a fence around it. Okay? Go further away from the problem. You know what it's like? Imagine you have a cliff. You don't tell someone, you don't put the sign, don't go past here at the exact edge of the cliff, because if a guy goes too far, he might lean over, and then you lost him. So what do we do instead? We put the, the fence six feet, ten feet back from the edge so that no one gets close to the edge, correct? So too is the concept of Asu Sayag La Torah. There's one exception that we find in the Torah where the Sayag, the fence, is built into the mitzvah itself. One in Halakha and one in the words of the Torah. In Halakha, the words, in Halakha, excuse me, the idea, the place where we find it is by Chametz. In any other scenario, let's say I have a big pot of Mahshi, and God forbid, one drop of butter falls into the pot of Mahshi. That one drop of butter is canceled out by all of the Mahshi that you've got there. So if you have 60 times the amount of the butter, we say forget the butter, this is perfectly fine. That's Halakha. Batel Bishishim. One in 60, it's nullified. How about on Pesach? You have one drop of chametz. Falls into 60 uh, times. Not, still asur. How about 160 times? Still asur. A million times. Still asur. Chametz on Pesach. Afilu b'mashehu. Even in a minuscule amount. Asur. Now, how much chametz do you have to eat in order to do the avera of chametz? Kizayit. And yet... We, was, we say when it comes to chametz, even though a shiur asur min Torah, half of a shiur is asur from the Torah. Chametz, even a mashu, the tiniest amount, to the point that someone once asked, how do you drink Israel, water in Israel if you're getting water from the Kinneret, if one guy takes his beer, spills it over the side of his boat, now we're getting water from the Kinneret, mashu, chametz, Pesach, one in billions. Some people, for that reason, they buy all their water before Passover so that the water is already in their possession because chametz is batel in a normal amount before Pesach, but not on Pesach. 
Okay? So this concept, we're saying so far away from Chametz. How come Chametz is unique in this way that we stay so far away? Question number one. And I told you there was one instance of this idea in the Torah itself. Where do we have that instance? The Pasuk says, Midvar Sheker Tilchak. It doesn't say, don't lie. It says, stay far away from a lie. That means that built into the Isur itself is not just the, as the Isur itself, but we built in the space so you don't even get close. I love telling the story about a fellow once came to him and he asked him from a, for a letter from the yeshiva. In yeshiva Purat Yosef, there are two branches. One branch was in the old city. The other branch was in Geula. So he went to Khamizratiyah and he said, please, could you sign on this document? Could you print it on the heading, heading paper of the yeshiva and sign it for me? He says, sure, no problem. Come to me this afternoon when I'm in the, in the old city. He says, okay, I'm here now with you. Why do I gotta go with you to the old city? He said, because the text of the letter that you sent me says, here in Porat Yosef, Iratika signed. And if I print it off on the paper of Hebron Gula and I sign it, I signed on a lie. Nobody cares. It makes no difference. It won't make anyone's life better or worse. No one would care if they found out that he did it there or there. It's irrelevant. And still, he was so careful with the truth that if something was not true, he wouldn't let it come out of his mouth. I'm fond of one other story with Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was famous as a man of truth. They used to say all the time, Titan emet Yaakov. Give truth to Yaakov. Who's Yaakov? Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Can you guys hear me there? Because I'm straining. Yeah? If you want to move closer, then that's even better. All right? Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky once went to the house of one of his students. And the student, his son, he was very close with him. And his son had just got to the age where he was able to walk. So the guy, he goes in front of the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, I want to show you. Look at how my son walks. He takes out a lollipop. He goes, come to daddy, you want a lolly? Come to daddy, come to daddy. The kid walks three steps. As he gets there, he sees his rabbi, big smile on his face. Wow, the kid walks, abus, so beautiful, so cute. The rabbi, the student, he thinks to himself, you know what? The rabbi smiled, let me do more. He takes three steps back. He said, come, come. You want, what? You want the sweet? Yeah, take that. Rabbi Yaakov's Kamenetsky's face, no more smile. He says to his student, how could you lie to your son? You told your son, come here, I'll give you a lolly. The kid walked three steps, and then what'd you do? You took three steps more back. You changed the goalposts. Who thinks like that? The Chachamim think like that. When you say something, your word is your word is your word. It doesn't matter, oh, they're not gonna mind. Doesn't matter, everybody does it. Doesn't matter, he's just a kid. If anything, the person you should be most careful of, to God forbid say something approaching a lie, is your own child. Because you're teaching your child the ways of deceit. My friends, 
What is the similarity between these two mitzvot that alone in the whole Torah have such a fence built around them that we have to stay so, so far away from them? Chametz and Sheker, lying. My friends, I want to share with you something amazing. Ready? Our rabbis tell us, the Radvaz writes, I searched and searched and searched for an answer to this question. And I could not find an answer. Why in the world, specifically for the mitzvah of chametz, do we go so far? By the way, chametz, it's not just how much you eat. You can't own chametz. Why? You don't want me to eat chametz, no problem, I won't eat chametz. Why can't I own it? I can't have chametz in my house in New Jersey, even if I'm in the Bahamas. Why? How come? How come I have to sell the chametz? It's crazy. We, I don't know if you know this, we on this holiday, we don't eat hummus. For a Sephardic guy, not to eat hummus for eight days, it's a big question. How do you have Simchat Yom Tov? Why do we eat, why do we not eat hummus? Because it sounds like chametz. What are we, Majnun? Tehina, how we don't have, they have delicious lahmajinia, kosher for Passover, okay? Made with matzah meal, delicious. We had on Shabbat, they had kibbeh shtabach shemo, delicious. You want to have it with tahina, you can't have it. You know why? Because in Arabic, the word for flour that's ground up is tahin. What the heck does that have to do with sesame seeds? Hummus, chametz, chametz is grain that has been leavened. What the heck does that have to do with, with uh, uh, the beans that we grind in order to make hummus, chickpeas? Uh, what are we going crazy? The answer is, it's almost like and I, I say in previous generations, I don't think they understood this. Only our generation. We have things in our generation we never had before. When I grew up, there was something that every American kid ate. It was red, white, and blue. It was gold standard Americana. People in England, they could not understand why we're so obsessed as Americans with this. Every single kid, PBJ, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Every mother, half asleep, slaps the peanut butter, slaps the jelly, here's your, here's your lunch. Today, if you send your kid with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to school, your kid is expelled from the school. PTA, all the mothers are saying, that's the mother, the murderer, sent the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Why? Because if any of the kids, they look at peanut butter, they smell peanut butter, they see peanut butter, they see a word spelled with the same letters as peanut butter, the kid goes into anaphylactic shock and they have to take him to the hospital. We never had this problem when I was a kid. In Israel, by the way, nobody has peanut allergies. You know why? Because the time that they're babies, they give the kids bamba. So in Israel, peanut butter allergies doesn't exist. I don't know why we can't import bamba to, to New York. Tom, Tomers sells bamba on the Upper East Side, on the 80th. Everybody sells bamba. Shove the bamba in the mouth, have the EpiPen ready to stab your kid if anything goes wrong. And chalas, you'll be able to have PB&J the whole life. My friends, if you want to know what it means to stay away from chametz, it means that when you get on a plane today, you hear the guy say, oh, ladies and gentlemen, today we're not going to be serving nuts on the plane. We have someone with another allergy in 74D. Anna, I'm HL, I'm flying seat 1A. I can't have cashews because 74D sitting by the Tesh has a peanut allergy. 
Here's the peanut allergy. Do you understand this? From a peanut allergy, we understand chametz. It's like it's poison. We go so far that we don't want to do anything with anything with anything. On the bottle of every drugs, it tells you, don't take your drugs if you don't know what it is. And in fact, today they print on the side of the drugs bottle, I don't know if you noticed this, it says round yellow pill. You ever see that? Square purple pill. Look in small letters on the prescription from Walgreens. It says you never noticed it. Why? So when you open it, you'll be able to tell, did I mix up bottles? Did, I put, did they put the wrong medicine in the wrong one? Okay? Because bottom of the night, you take the wrong medicine. Tell us, precautions on top of precautions on top of precautions. My friends, why is it that poisonous, that hamatz, that hamatz is so poisonous, that we take such, such big strides to move away from it? And what does it have to do with the Isur of Sheker, which is the only other Isur that we tell you to stay so far away from? I want to add a beautiful comment to this. The answer, my friends, can be found in the two words themselves that define the difference between four days ago and Erev Pesach. On Erev Pesach, what do we eat? We eat bread. On Pesach, what do we have? Matzah. Matzah is holy, matzah is special, matzah is beautiful, matzah is freedom. What's chametz? Chametz is the devil incarnate. Poison. But look at the difference, my friends, between the chametz and matzah. The only difference between those two words, they both have the same letters, mem and sadi. Chametz has a chet, looks like this. And matzah has a hey, it looks like this. So the only difference between chametz and matzah is that little spot right there where the hay is broken off and the chet is connected. My friends, now you understand when we say chametz is asur ben mashehu in a tiny amount because that's the only difference between chametz and matzah. A mashehu, a tiny difference. Now the word mashehu means even a little bit. But it also has another meaning in Hebrew. Mashehu means ma, what, shehu, that he is. You see, in effect, bread is the biggest liar in the world. And if you ever thought bread was not a liar, it looks so innocent, it sits there on the table, just a slice of bread. But if you love bread like I do, your hips will tell you, because these hips don't lie. Bread, yaheni, it'll take you over the deep end, right? The bread looks innocent, it's deadly, just the same. Bread tells you a lie. And what is the lie of bread? The lie of bread is that it presents itself as if it is more than what it is. The Isur is Mashehu because the lie is Mashehu. Matzah and Chametz are the same ingredients, flour and water. You left this one a little one minute longer, 19 minutes, it becomes bread, it rises. But there's no extra ingredient. This Matzah didn't do anything extra. There's nothing more in it. A little bit more time, it starts rising. For what? By what merit does it think it's better than anything else? There's nothing. My friends, there was once a great rabbi who went to visit a man who was very wealthy. And the man, he's in his big castle, in his palace, and he takes care of everything himself. It's a beautiful holiday. But when it comes time to feed the hungry people of the city, and he's the only poor rich man in the village, 
When the rabbi came to him and said, Dachila, could you help us out here? The man says, sorry, I don't, you know, rabbi, I gave it the office. You know, I didn't have such a good year this year. I only made $50 million instead of $60 million. You know, we all got to cut back sometimes. Anyway, the rabbi says to him, he says, okay, no problem. As the rabbi's walking out, he sees the guy going out, Erev er- er- Pesach. He's taking his pockets. He's doing like this with his pockets. What is he doing to make sure no hamets in his pocket? The rabbi comes back and he says, Mechila. Mechila, he says to the man. Mechila, please forgive me. The halacha says that a person has to check for hamets. But where is the obligation to check for hamets? Let's say a person had an old, old school house, a house like this. There's a crack between the stones. How far does he need to check in the crack? Ad makom sheyado magat. Until the place that his hand reaches. If his hand can't reach there, he doesn't have to check. Let's say there's a crack in the wall, 10 feet up above the ground. No hand could reach there. Do you have to check it for chametz? No, no hand can reach there. It's not makom sheyado magat. It's not a place that the hand reaches. He says to this rich man, he says, I feel like a man like you doesn't have to check in his pockets for chametz because it's not a place that the hand ever reaches. You never dug your hand into your pocket. You never gave to someone who has less than you. You're very busy buying the biggest matzot. You think you're the biggest sadiq, but people around you are starving. They don't have the basic necessities. If you could focus on your high levels of kiddushah, and there's someone here starving next to you, and you can tell me you didn't make as much money as you made last year, then you are lying to yourself. You are one big piece of chametz. My friends, that arrogance, that thing, that feeling that you are better than somebody else, not only is it poison, it's a lie. The two mitzvot, that you have to stay far away from one another, are not randomly two different mitzvot. They're the same mitzvah. Our rabbis tell us that God's seal, God's seal is emet. His seal is truth. And a person who lies, he might get signed. Right? He might get sealed. He might, sorry, he might get signed. But he, doesn't, he never gets sealed. Back in the day, you would have a person, after he would sign a document, they would put the seal. Because you might be able to forge the guy's signature, but you didn't have his special signet ring. God's signet ring is emet. In a person that says only emet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu seals his good gizardin, his special mazal for the good, his special protection from illness, from disease, from problems. So when it comes to emet and sheker, we're so careful. And when it comes to chametz, we're so careful. My friends, let's visit for one second the lies we tell ourselves when we feel ourselves better than someone else. Ramban, in his Igeret to his son, he wrote a letter to his son. It's called Igeret Ramban. Many people read it every single day. It's a tremendous zechut to read Igeret Ramban every day. Ramban writes in Igeret Ramban, never raise yourself over someone else. If someone is richer than you, Say, there's a reason why God blessed them. If someone's better than you, say this, look, the guy's better than me. If someone's poorer than you, say to yourself, God gave me money, but he gave me so many more responsibilities. 
For me to be a good guy, I have to do so much more than him. Because as he doesn't have, I'm sure I'm falling short in my responsibilities. I'd like to take Ramban's, uh, what's it called, his pass and run with it. Like a relay race. I'd like to take that baton and run with it. How many people like to think, you know what, I'm doing really well at work. I'm very special, look at the company I built. Look at my business, I'm a successful guy. Did your father set you up in business? Then what's so special about you? He hooked you up, he gave you the down payment for the goods. You know what they say, you have to spend money to make money. So it's easy if you have money to spend to make money. But the other guy, he didn't have money to spend money. So you think you're great because you did well? Did daddy hook you up? So I'm sure somebody who's listening to this is thinking, you know what, actually, my father didn't give me a dime. Lies. Your father spent thousands and thousands of dollars putting you through school. The job that you're doing requires at least, usually, some level of university education. And if you didn't have that, some level of high school education. Do you know how to read and write? Who gave you that? You're lucky. People don't know how to do that. So you're thinking, I did this. Meanwhile, you and the other guy are exactly the same. There's no extra ingredients in you. You were blessed. And you know what? The guy who's thinking, you know what, Rabbi? This speech doesn't apply to me. No reminds me of. One of my favorite stories. A rabbi on Yom Kippur is giving a dirashah. He's giving a speech. Anyway, in the speech he's giving, he really wants to shake the people up. So as he's giving the speech, he says, and guys, I just want to make sure everybody understands. Every person in this room, every one of you, every man, every woman, every child is going to die. Everyone in the room. He wants to drive home the point that nobody lives forever. That you got to make the most of your life while you have it. Everybody, wow, they give a gasp. There's one guy, front row, just back from Miami, sick tan, sunglasses, front row, leaning back, leg like this, doesn't even flinch. The rabbi again says, I just want to reiterate, every single man, woman and children from this community is going to die. Again, guy don't flinch, he doesn't understand, he got everybody. The one guy he didn't get front row, this old guy with the sun tan, the sunglasses. He figures, you know what, I'll try one more time. Works the speech round and he says, and I need to say, like I said two times before, every single person in this community, man, woman, and child, come the time, they're gonna die. Again, the guy, the rabbi loses it, loses his mind. He goes to the guy, he says, I don't understand. Three times I said it, everyone's going crazy. Doesn't make an effect on you? The guy says, hey, I'm not from this community. <laughs> There's always one guy who sits in the rabbi's class, sits there back, even if you don't have sunglasses, even if you don't have a tan, he's that guy. You know that guy comes over to tell me? Always the guy, by the way, that I'm specifically speaking to. Guy comes up and he's like, Rabbi, you really told him today. I hope the guys who needed to hear that message, I hope they change their ways. I'm like, I hope they do. Do you know any of those guys? You related to any of them? You ever see any of them in the mirror? <laughs> yeah, any. There's always a guy thinking, my father didn't set me up. You know what? My father didn't pay for me to go to school. I didn't go to university. I left school when I was four years old. I was selling taffies. I built myself a taffy empire. Nobody gave me nothing. Rohi. You pride yourself on being the world's best taffy salesman. Who gave you the tongue 
to be that guy that can sell a taffy to a diabetic. Who gave you that? What do we say? A person could arrange the thoughts of the heart. God gives a person the ability to speak, to arrange his words, to speak properly. Do you understand that? So you think you're better than everybody else. You were just given this incredible gift of speech. Some people, that's a, I gave my first class. You know how old I was? When I gave my first Torah class, I was eight years old. This is something that comes naturally to me. I made a kid's minyan when I was a kid. Okay? Other people, they have to push themselves. It's not in their comfort zone. So can I take credit for being able to be a rabbi that speaks? Of course not. Number one, I was born to a rabbi. I was born to a mother and father that give everything for the community. Who am I? I'm a nobody. Not only that, I was given the gift of being able to not be afraid to speak in front of people. So what did I do already? You studied? My father sent me to those schools. I could have not studied in those schools. All my friends went to those schools. You understand? I did almost nothing. When a person really thinks about it, at the end of the day, they're not chametz. They're not matzah, excuse me. They're chametz. Everything was sorted. You see, matzah is a little bit broken. And that's why yachatz, before we eat the matzah, what do we do? We break it. I always wondered why, you know, always there's a mitzvah to do, uh, make a beracha on something that's whole, correct? So when you make hamotzi on Shabbat, you take two loaves of bread, we can't say that word, right? Two loaves, you hold them together, they have to be shalim. So you want to break the matzah for yachatz, put yachatz after motzi matzah. Why am I breaking it and then making the bracha on broken matzah? And the answer is the answer that is given by the rabbi of Kotsk. He said, there is nothing as whole as a broken heart. When a person realizes that they're broken, when a person realizes that they are not perfect, it is the recognition of imperfection which is itself the catalyst for perfection. So you want to eat matzah, before you eat it, it's got to be broken in half. Every one of us, no matter how perfect you think you are, is broken in some way. But my friends, it is only the fool who needs to lie to others and to lie to themselves and to say, I am perfect, my leg is straight, there's no break at the top, I'm perfect. Only a fool. Why? Because your imperfections were actually put there for a specific reason. There's an old adage that goes, the cracks are not a bad thing. They are what let the light in. The light of a person's neshama comes through the cracks that they endeavor to be able to master during their lifetime. We need not be ashamed of our brokenness. We should embrace it. If I'm scared, if I'm embarrassed, if I'm vulnerable, how many vulnerable people who need the support of others don't get the support that they so desperately need because they're too proud to admit that they might need it? And who did, they, who did that lie hurt but themselves? My friends, our rabbis tell us, the Arizal writes, Alpi Kabbalah, that if a person is careful with even the smallest amount of hametz to the point where he does absolutely nothing, 
He eats absolutely no chametz on Pesach. He's guaranteed that the whole year will be a year that is free of sins. Now it's very hard to get a year where you had not even a meshuot chametz. You know why? Because you might not even know you drank a bottle of whatever and that might have a mashuv chametz in it. It could be even that it was mutar to drink. But it has a mashuv. And then I don't have the haftacha. But if a person would go the whole Pesach and not have even a mashuv of chametz, then the whole year would go by and he wouldn't sin. That's what the Arizal writes. Which I always thought to myself, that's a sick move. You know why? Because if he doesn't sin the whole year, the next year, getting into Pesach, he's also prepared himself perfectly. So he's already set up to go a second round of no mashu chametz, because we say mitzvah, goreret mitzvah. So you start an incredible motion. In fact, there were certain rabbis that they would only eat matzah on the first night of Pesach, not the rest of the holiday. You know why? Because they were worried that maybe some chametz, the matzah waited a second too long, and then it was chametz. So the first night, second two nights, they would have to eat the matzah because of mitzvah. The rest of the holiday wouldn't touch it. That's how careful they were. Why would such a thing be that God would give you this protection if you were so careful with chametz? You know what the answer is? When a person is so truthful with themselves, sin does not stand a chance in the heart of a person who is dedicated to the truth. Because the minute you recognize your failings in a real way, you can't help but fix them. Let me, let's go through it. Let's say as an example, I, I lost my temper, I screamed at you. I cursed you out and your father, okay? What happens if I'm telling the truth to myself? I say, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me. But then, there's a follow-up, yes, no question. Because the second I do that, what do I say? I did the wrong thing. But, that but is enormous. Because you know what that but does? It washes away the whole truth of the admission. I did lose, I did scream, I did curse. But, what would anyone do under that circumstances? I can't be held accountable. See? It's true. I, did, I cheated the guy out of the business deal. But, last time, what are you trying to do? Whitewash your lie with his lie? Last time the guy cheated me. That's his problem with God. You don't get that back by being like him. A liar, a thief, a cheat, a fraud. So a man doesn't exist in isolation. It's something that needs to permeate the beginning of the story, the butt, the butt of the story, and the end of the story. Because what happens after I say, I shouldn't have cursed you out. I catch myself saying, but you know what, it's not my fault. I realize that's not the truth. No one can make you, how many times you hear somebody say this? He made me so angry. What are you, Play-Doh? People get to make you? He made you into a train? That's what he did? Who are you? You're a human being with your own free will. You decide how you feel. You decide how you think. You decide how you react. You never let anyone else tell you how to feel, how to act, how to be. You decide that. So you know what? You're strong. You tell yourself, I didn't do it right. The butt doesn't count. It's all on me. But then there's one last step of it. Because after you say that, the Yetzirah has one last arrow in his quiver. What does he say? Look at you. Look at how amazing you are. You had every right in the world to get angry. You had every right in the world to, to not 
But look, I'm taking the high road. Not like this guy, scumbag. The last trick of the Yetzirah is to make you mix up chametz and matzah because they look so similar. And that's why the word emet has the first letter of the Aleph Bet, the exact middle letter of the Aleph Bet, and the last letter of the Aleph Bet. May Hashem bless us to have this emet in our lives. So much of our defensiveness is because we cannot tell the truth. Your wife tells you something, you shouldn't have done this. Instead of saying, you're right, our ego doesn't let us. So what do we say to our wives? Oh, you're perfect? We turn into a fight. Why? Why did you have to do that? Your chametz is rising. You can actually sometimes feel it. The Gemara says, every person in the world would love to do the right thing always. You know what gets in the way? Seor The east in the dough. You, feel, you ever have that? The guy, you start feeling yourself. Getting hot under the collar. Catch it right there. Say to yourself, who am I? Why am I getting so upset? I'm just a human being. He's a human being. He's fighting for his. I'm fighting for mine. I'm no better than him. And I'll end with this. I got in a cab in Israel. And the guy tells me, 17 shekel to the yeshiva. I was driving to the yeshiva. I took this cab ride all the time, hundreds of times. I know how much does it cost? 15 shekel. I tell the cab driver, 15 shekel. The guy starts yelling and cursing and squealing. Hey, you Haredim, you religious people. Look at you, what kind of person are you? You're arguing with me for two shekel. I smiled at him. I didn't lose my cool. I said, Rohi, sweetheart, you're fighting with me over the same two shekel. How many times someone said, I'm angry at you. Why? You didn't call. Why didn't you call? Right? It's the same two shekel. I don't, can't believe you're making such a big deal over this. Aren't you also making a big deal over this? Right? But we love to be the chametz looking down on the matzah. And it's a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves. My friends, I bless every one of us, including myself, with the gift of truth. Truth to others, but most importantly, truth to ourselves. Baruch Amen.